Good morning on a rather dull Sunday morning. A couple of nights ago we had some fantastic sheet lightning and it was like a fireworks display. It lasted for about an hour or even maybe a little bit longer. And it was really quite, quite spectacular. And we were promised some more tonight. So we'll turn again to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4 and we'll see what we can learn from uh, this book. I'm always a little bit concerned that I repeat myself a bit. And uh, maybe that's a sign of old age. We've had about eight talks on this short prophecy. The final book of the Old Testament. Written in Palestine about... Uh, B.C. 527 to 525 by Malachi. He was uh, one of three prophets who wrote after the exile in Babylon. The others were Haggai and Zechariah. That excellent book. They're all excellent, but Zechariah really tells us so much. The reason for writing this book was to rebuke the returned exiles of their many sins. They were to rebuild their nation following the 70 years in Babylon, but sadly it still rejected God. One would have assumed that they would be ready and truly determined that from now on they would seek to work for God in following the law of Moses in this sinful world. They were to avoid contact with the nations round about them and reset up a, a nation for God as was God's original task for Israel that all nations would be blessed through them. But, but, there was always buts. We see in Malachi that these people were still sinful and rebellious. If you were to count the separate sins listed in the book, you would apparently get about 32 separate sins, which include disobeying God, despising God's name, marriage with unbelievers, robbing God, wearying God with insincere words, sorcery, excusing sinful practices, and another 20 more or so. Excusing sinful practices. You know, we see a lot of that these days. People know about sin, but they're able to close a blind eye to it and uh, just allow everything to go on as if these sins were not happening. Excusing sinful practices. I know that we keep saying this but all the sins mentioned in Malachi we see them every day. Even in our everyday lives, as we read the newspapers or uh, hear the news on the radio or 
elsewhere. We see all these sins being repeated again and again and again. I received a booklet the other day setting out the beliefs of the various political parties in the coming general election. And having read through what it said, I came to the conclusion that there is no party that justifies me voting for them as a Christian and as an ambassador for Christ. We are ambassadors, and an ambassador is a representative in a foreign country, and he seeks to convey the truths and the benefits and the beauties and the lifestyle of the country he represents, and in some way influence the people of the country where he has been sent as an ambassador and seek to influence them as to the goodness and the greatness of the country from which he has come. He has no vote in that country. He cannot serve on the government of that country. His duty is to obey his own country where his citizenship is. My citizenship is in heaven. And it would seem to me that no party can claim to have any fundamental biblical credentials. And I would say not even nominal Christian ideals. We all know that David Cameron said the best thing he did as Prime Minister was to pass the bill on same-sex marriage. And that's a fact which most major parties would agree with and uphold and in most cases have added many worse things. And God said that these who served not God, who acted wickedly, who were proud and conceited would be burnt up, speaking in Malachi. How sad it is that our country, which once upheld very good biblical principles, has gone deeply the wrong way into sin. And so we were looking at Malachi because we can learn lessons from this little book. God said that he would raise up and have a godly remnant who would be blessed. I listened to a talk last night by Greg Jurrell. And he was speaking of the Jewish nation. And he gave the reason why anti-Semitism is rife today. If when our Lord appeared at his second advent, there were no Jews left on earth. It's a, a thought, isn't it? What if when our Lord came to his second advent, there were no Jews left on earth? 
and that would mean that he would not be able to set up his millennium kingdom, and it would fail. So Satan will do his utmost to ensure that this will be the case by wiping out the Jewish state and every Jew. Ah, oh, you say, that's highly impossible. But that is part of Satan's plan. Why do Palestinians, Arab states and the like, have in their manifestos, their articles of faith, as it were, clauses to bring about the wiping out of Israel? Why is the United Nations so anti-Israel? You only have to look at the various uh, clauses which have been introduced criticizing Israel in relation to the rest of the countries of the world and you will see that there are multiple criticisms of Israel and very, very few of their surrounding neighbors and other countries throughout the world. Why are there boycotts of Israeli goods? Why do churches say that God is finished with Israel and all of God's covenants with Israel now apply to the church? The answer to these and very more relevant questions are all based on the need of Satan to succeed in his plan to get rid of the Jews. Therefore he will use every person, every church, every country, whether it's pagan or not, to implement his plan. And we can see it in churches today with replacement theology. However, despite the present appearances, which scripture says will get worse, his plan will fail. He knows his time is short and he will intensify his actions until the battle of Armageddon. When Christ shall come to his second advent. After this battle, Satan will be locked up for a thousand years and eventually he will be cast into the lake of fire forever. Revelation 20 and verse 10. And God will set up through the Lord Jesus Christ a millennium reign. And I'm going to read a bit in chapter 8 of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 8. And it's quite a big reading, but I think it's worth, worth reading. Zechariah chapter 8, we start reading at verse 1. We have to remember that in Malachi we, we see that there will be a godly remnant, as we see in chapter 4 verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his 
wings and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. Again the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. We should take note of every time it says, Thus saith God, thus saith the Lord of hosts, thus saith of scripture. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion. Zion speaks of Jerusalem, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus said the Lord of hosts, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for every age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It will be marvellous in the eyes of the remnant of the, this people in these days. Should it also be marvellous in mine eyes? Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. And I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong. Ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any peace to him that went out and came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, everyone against his neighbour. But now, but now I will not be unto the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord. For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass, that as ye were a curse among the, the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, As I thought to punish you, 
When your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not, so again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbour. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbour. And love no false oath. For all these things that I hate, saith the Lord, of hosts for all these are things that I hate saith the Lord of hosts what a wonderful picture that is boys and girls playing in the streets of Jerusalem without fear of attack and so we look at Malachi verse 2 of chapter 4 but unto you that fear my name Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall? You know, this book of Malachi is also encouragement for believers today, as it was for those that remnant in Malachi's day. Previous verses, as we have laboured on in the last few weeks, they have warned of a soon coming judgment. And God promises to distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. In verse 18 of chapter 3. There's going to be a difference between the wicked, those who worship God and serve God, and those wicked that served him not. Judgment will be righteous. It's symbolized as an oven or a furnace. The primary distinction between those who will be destroyed and those who will be saved is respect for God, a desire to please their God. What we are shown in Malachi is arrogance and disobedience, signs of disrespect. They loved not God. Fear. It says, those who feared the Lord. Here it is used in the sense of reverence. Those who reverenced God means treating God with the devotion he deserves. The judgment spoken of here is that which will be brought in by the second advent of Christ as Messiah as we have seen previously, the day of the Lord will have burst upon this evil world in judgment and 
in righteousness. I keep reminding myself, and I hope you as well, of Psalm 2 and other similar psalms. But I'm going to read again Psalm 2. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar, in turmoil against God? And now, listen, we can see this today. So we should take a warning that times are getting short before the rapture of the church. And after that, the tribulation, and then the second advent of Jesus Christ to this earth. Why are the nations in uproar, in turmoil against God? And why do the people devise a plan and a hopeless plot? The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, the Messiah, the Christ, saying, Let us break apart their divine bands of restraint and cast away their cords of control upon us. They wanted to, the, the nations wanted to get completely away from anything to do with God. Or the God of Israel. He who sits enthroned in the heavens. Laughs. At their rebellion. The sovereign Lord. Scoffs at them. And in supreme contempt. He mocks them. Then he will speak to them. In profound anger. And terrify them with his displeasure, saying, Yet as for me, I have anointed and firmly installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the, the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. This day I proclaim I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will assuredly give you the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them, the nations who have rebelled against God, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them in pieces like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, act wisely, speaking to these nations. Be instructed and take warning, O leaders, judges, rulers of the earth. Worship the Lord and serve him with reverence, with awe-inspired fear and submissive wonder. Rejoice! with trembling. Kiss the sun. Pay respect to the sun so that he does not become angry and you perish in the way. 
for his wrath may soon be kindled and set aflame. How blessed, how fortunate, how prosperous and favoured by God are all those who take refuge in him. What a wonderful psalm. What a warning to the nations. What a blessing to others. In the last chapter of the Old Testament, verse 2 of Malachi, But unto you that fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness appear with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the storm. In the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 16, we read, Revelation 22, 16, I am the bright and morning star. So who is the son of righteousness in Malachi? And who is the bright and morning star in Revelation? Well, to start with, they are both names for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we have seen the Lord Jesus on earth. On one occasion, he displayed his glory to those three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, we all know that the morning star must appear before the sun appears. It's just a fact of nature. Once the morning star is in the sky and when the sun comes up in its brightness, the morning star, we don't see it. The end of the Old Testament, the Son of Righteousness will appear to those that fear him with healing in his wings. For that godly remnant who will be going through a time of deep sorrow and anxiety, for they will be in a wicked world, where the Antichrist's reign will be vicious, and also that of the false prophet. The coming of their Messiah, Christ coming in his second advent, who will suddenly appear, closing the age of grace, coming in judgment to the wicked, but coming with healing in his wings for all those seeking to live for him in those horrible conditions. Those around them will be saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They'll be judged and destroyed, as in we read in verses 1 and verses 3 of chapter 4. The beast the Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone 
and Satan will be bound for a thousand years. That's what's going to happen to those people in verses 1 and 3 of chapter 4 of Malachi. Do you wonder who or what the morning star is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord, as it says in Revelation, who says, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. It's no doubt speaking of Jesus as the morning star. He will show himself in heavenly glory and come to the air as the one who says, Behold, I come quickly. And he is coming. For whom? Why are we seeing the Lord Jesus coming as the morning star? He's coming for those who are his own. His own redeemed people. He's coming for me. And he's coming for you. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour. And you worship him in spirit and in truth if he came tonight he would come for me would he be coming for you coming at the rapture of his believers those who are the true members of the church of Jesus Christ you may ask suppose I do not belong to him Well, you will get your portion in the last chapter of the Old Testament. And it is by no means a, a very bright outlook if you are unsaved. You will end up in the company of the godless, the impure, those of low moral character. The sorcerers with their intoxicating drugs and magic arts. With the immoral persons, the perverters, the molesters and the adulterers and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying and deceit. You read that list if you go Revelation 22, verse 15. All of these will be destroyed. Their bodies may be destroyed, but their souls and spirits will remain in conscious punishment until the great white throne judgment, where sentence will be declared as guilty, and they will be cast into hell forever. What a horrible, frighteningly description. Conversely, what about the future of for those who feared God's name, who will be living at the coming Millennium Kingdom? We have seen their latter end as we have read through Malachi. And I'll repeat them again. 
they will be got seven little things that they are going to be which we have here in this book of Malachi first thing they are remembered by God he's written a book and he'll remember them what a wonderful thing to be remembered by God you know if, if we were walking down the street and we saw the Queen and she looked at us and said, Oh, I, I remember you. You'd be very proud, especially if she said it in front of some of your friends. <laughs> Not likely to happen. But nevertheless, we are being remembered by God. And God said then that he would treat these people as a man would treat his only son. It's the third thing, divinity, we are God's possession. He loves us. He sent a son to die for us. He cares for us. He remembers us. He will treat us as a man would treat his only son. And we are his. And they are his jewels. We are God's jewels. He loves us. He treats us to all of his love. And then it says, the Lord will come with healing in his wings. Can you imagine the situation in Israel? On that day when the Lord of hosts shall come, the battle of Armageddon and all that evil will be wiped out and we will see the Lord of hosts coming with healing in his wings for that godly remnant. And then, he says, they shall be like calves in the stall. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I spent some time knocking around farms. And have you ever seen calves, or even cows, being let out, having been locked up in their cowshed all winter, and even when they're let out onto the fields? You know, they jump for joy. And some of the old cows, even, show signs of great joy to be back out on the pastures again. And that's what God says. It's going to be like for this godly remnant. They're going to be like calves jumping up and down as they're let out of the field, out of the, into the field. And then they will be given discernment. Oh, that's sadly lacking in churches today. We have few people who have true biblical discernment. Judging between those that serve God and him that serve, serve him not. And that's just what I'm going to say today. And then we will definitely, I'm sure, finish this book I was in a bit of a dilemma. I either stopped here 
or go on a bit longer, but I thought it would be just too long. And so we have just left over the last few verses uh, for next Sunday. May God help us to realize that we are remembered by God, that we are his possession. Those of us who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, we're very precious to God. Precious as jewels. And he has come to be with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. He's given us another comforter that he may abide with us forever. Amen.